to the Media Insider, the podcast which gives you the secrets on how to get into the media. Every episode, I interview a commissioning editor or producer about exactly what stories and interviews they commission for their pages or programme and how you can pitch to them. I'm your host, Helen Croydon. I'm an author, a former journalist, and now I run a small PR practice called ThoughtLeadershipPR.com, helping business leaders, academics, entrepreneurs and public figures become better known as experts in their field. If you like this podcast, please tell your colleagues, share it on social media. That's how others find it. Welcome to the next series of the Media Insider podcast. This month, I'm joined by Jack Summers, who's UK commissioning editor for Business Insider, which might actually be known as something else soon, but we'll get to that later. Uh, Jack is uh, quite new in the role, January this year, to be precise. Before that, he was head of news at the Jewish Chronicle. He's been a reporter at HuffPost UK, and he's written for various UK national papers like the Sunday Times, the Eye and the Guardian. Welcome, Jack. Hi, good to be here. So new in the role, that's really, really exciting. Um, can you just give us an, an overview of what you oversee, the sections that you oversee? Because Business Insider, we know, is a big international platform, but you're UK commissioning editor. So what does that mean? Well, so I have uh, out of the UK office, and I use office in the most figurative sense possible, given we're all working from home, but I have oversight of all of our freelancers and all of our external contributors. So that can be, so that's the freelance journalists and uh, people who write for us who aren't our employees for whatever reason. So, and that's across the whole of our business site. So there are, you know, verticals include tech, uh, media and advertising, markets, investing, these are all our sort of big areas and I commission across them. So there's no area within what we do as Business Insider or at Insider, I should say. I, I now work for the business division of Insider. That, that, that's the rebrand. There's, there's yeah, no, we want to talk about that definitely later. There's no, there's no part of it that I don't touch. So I basically have a sort of, while my my colleagues have specific specialisms and sections like investing, like tech. I will commission across those. So, I, so I'm kind of agnostic on the actual deep the specifics, but I commission all of our freelancers and all of our external contributors for, well, who, who, who work with us in the UK and Europe. So is that anything with a UK story angle or does that mean it's just stuff that goes onto the UK uh, part of the website? No, it's, it's very broad, actually. I work, I have uh, counterparts in the US who I work with quite closely. Uh, I have commissioned globally or even in just five weeks, I've commissioned people in India and, in, in, you, know, you know, I've handled work by people uh, across the world. There is no demarcation, as, as it were. I inevitably tend slightly towards the UK and Europe, commissioned people from Spain. Spain and and in parts of the world, but there is no very strict demarcation. If you have a story about a business story about anywhere in the world, you shouldn't not come to me just because I'm based in the UK. It, it is something that I would pick up and engage with. Wow. So talk us through the rebrand because that'll set the context, I think, for what the sections are and, and what sort of things you, you cover. Sure. So, I mean, people will know it as Business Insider. That's probably the most famous name. That's where I told people I was going to work when I got the job. And then I got there and was told, well, actually, we're rebranding. So we're now Insider. 
So Business Insider was part of Insider. It belonged to Insider Inc. And there were other brands alongside it. There was a lifestyle chain. There was a news, what you might call straight news. That is not necessarily business-themed news. And they now all sit under one brand, which is Insider. So technically, I think I am commissioning editor for business for Insider, although um, you know, the URL for now remains Business Insider, and that's the sort of that's the brand that Insider was best known for. But it's it's stepped away from that. Within Business Insider, or, or within the business area, I should say, there are other brand names. There's Tech Insider, there's Markets Insider. The staff of those sections are organised within Business Insider here in the UK. So, does this mean that the focus of topics is going away from business? The business division of Insider, as it's now known, is um, is Business Insider as was, and it, and it, and its focus remains unchanged, and it's still covering all the areas it was. The lifestyle and the news sections were separate, but now we're all different divisions of Insider. If that makes sense. Okay. Although focus is changing. It's a rebranding. So those lifestyle sections, they'll still be on the businessinsider.com website or will they be like Lifestyle Insider? <laughs> so, lifestyle and, so Lifestyle and News come under the insider.com URL and then Business Insider is, is a separate URL. But as going forward, it's all Insider with different divisions as opposed to Business Insider, News Insider, Lifestyle Insider. Insider, etc. Okay, and talk us through the sorts of the formats of stories, or perhaps the sections that you deal with. Because I know you know you do a mix of news stories and interviews and uh, comment pieces. Is there a structure? Is there some sort of structure to that? Not really. I mean, there are perhaps formats that we might do more of that other places might not. I mean, for example, uh, we do uh, like a lot of kind of relatively new digital brands. We do lists. For example, I had a piece go live today, which is eight tips on how to say no to a client without alienating them as a client. You know, I've done, you know, 10 female social media experts you should follow. Like we, we, we do lists, but that's not to say we don't, we, we do all sorts. We're quite, um, you know, we do news, we do features. There isn't a format we're wedded to. We do video. Everything I commission is quite broad. So we have reporters who do 10 more towards news and some who 10 more towards their own investigations, their own stories, their own features, but they can be anything and everything. It is a very broad church in terms of, you know, whether it's interviews, whether it's analysis. We also run straight comment from some people, uh, you know, news reporting, kind of original reporting, follows of others reporting. We do all sorts when it comes to content, really. Yeah. And do you have any regular slots or, you know, regular column stroke features? I Not yet. It is something I'm looking to develop um, as, uh, you know, I'm looking to sort of have more regular pieces from certain people at the moment i am when i am approaching if i'm approaching people to write it is quite ad hoc it is you know could you write this would you be interested in writing that for us but i am looking i am think i think going forward i will be looking into whether we can have some kind of whether it's a column whether it's a sort of regular thing the thing for me is that when i commission i am mostly commissioning for stuff to go behind our paywall our prime content and what I need to bear in mind with that and what, you know, anyone pitching me needs to bear in mind is that, you know, I, uh, you need to be someone pitching me needs to convince me, A, to pay them to, to write it, and B, they need to be writing something that I can, can confidently expect readers to pay to read. And so I'm very big on expertise, authority, tips, learning, u- universal appeal, like 
when I'm thinking about headlines for pieces that go behind our paywall, it's, it's got to have some kind of authority to it, whether it's because you are an expert and you can say something or you can give an analysis, whether you're going to identify a trend and then interview people who can analyze it, when you, whether you're going to, whatever it is you do, you've got to be thinking, people who are pitching me have got to be thinking about the authority of what they're going to say and how they're going to get that authority and, and what they're going to say and what entitles them to say it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And what about PRs that pitch to you? So that's obviously writers, you know, writers need to convince you that they're going to write a really strong story. What is the typical way that you may be able to use um, something that a PR pitches to you? You know, for example, is it going to be in the form of a quote? Is it going to be in the form of an opinion piece? So far, um, I have had one or two. This hasn't been so common, but so far I have had a couple of opinion pieces through that route. Uh, if you have a, if you're a PR and you have a client who is in business, who is in, who is in whatever line they're in, if they have the authority to say something really interesting about a trend in in tech, in media, in advertising, in business, in markets, in investing, in running a company, in in workplace strategy, in recruitment, in careers, in any of these types of areas we cover, then I'm very happy to hear from you. I can't guarantee what I'll take it after it'll be, you know, on a sort of pitch by pitch basis. But that's the most common route I've been approached. I don't think you'd bring me a quote, as it were, as a quote is something to go into a wider piece. And that would probably be something that the staff would work, staff reporters and, and other editors might be working on. I'm Everything I do is about sourcing a piece from scratch, basically. So a quote alone isn't going to be a great value to me in my line of work. But if you have someone who's keen to say something and you think it'd be a good fit for us, then yes, then I'm very happy to hear from you. Yeah. What about those list type pieces that you mentioned? You know, you do a lot. Of, is that something that um, PRs can help with? You know, if they suggest, oh, what about a top 10 ways to um, to lay off your staff? <laughs> do you ever, you know, can a, can a PR ever help with those or, or a member of the public if they're pitching themselves to be included in something like that? I would say, I would say less so on that because with the lists they very often are pitched by by the journalists by freelancers and it involves um you know a journalist really identifying a something that's having a moment something that's big right now something that is a changing trend or something like that and then thinking of people to profile or companies to profile to 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 fill a list of people so such and such an industry is having a moment here are 10 organizations that are trying to cash in on that and grow on that it might well be that they uh, that those writers then go and speak to prs about like you know for getting some kind of access to those companies to talk to people but i don't think the prs would really i'd struggle to see a situation in which the prs would be involved in sourcing that as an article idea um, the pr says i represent a company and they are you know they are absolutely about to blow up, then, you know, I'm obviously going to take that with a pinch of salt compared to a journalist telling me this is a, this industry is at a really interesting moment. And here are, you know, and I want to write 
nine businesses, nine European startups that are really, I would trust the journalist's judgment to make that call inevitably much more than I would a PR's who is saying my client is about to be, is part of some huge wave. So I think the PR's role in that is probably going to be more likely if the writer decides that they are, that their client is, is suitable for it, then the PR can have, would be approached to facilitate something perhaps. But, but no, I don't think they would really be sourcing that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So this brings us nicely on to uh, to that bit of the podcast where we talk about pitching. And I know you've got strong views on this. So um, first of all, do you get loads and loads of pitches? I do get quite a few. I should stress, I think I have concrete views. I wouldn't quite call them strong views. I think I, think I have more like I have specific views about what makes a good pitch. I, I do get a great many. Um, I have done, since I've been in this role, I've done quite a few call outs on Twitter. I'm hoping you do more of them. They are helpful. And I'm, what I'm hoping to get to is a position where I can tweet fairly regularly about the sorts of things I might be interested in in the coming month or something like that. I'm also hoping, well, again, this is a, a hope, but I can start some kind of almost like a pitch clinic. And with a certain permission, if they send me a really good pitch, I'll ask the permission and perhaps tweet about what I really liked about it and, and why it's very good, good and a sort of pattern to emulate. I struggle to get back to everyone is probably what I'd say about the volume I get. I do try to get back to everyone. And I have just in this short space of time learned a lot about what works for us and what doesn't and what is a good starting point for me in terms of a pitch so that I can now give slightly better feedback on pitches I reject. It was previously a case of only really having time to say, I'm sorry, this isn't suitable for us. Now I'm, I can try and add in another sentence or two about why it works. But yeah, I, I get a lot of pitches. Yeah. So what does work? I would say my ideal pitch, if I was to envisage it now, would be short to the point, explain as succinctly as possible what you are going to write and what you want to write. Introduce yourself within that. So by all means, say, I have written for X and Y, or I have, I have you know, this is, these are my cuttings, or these are, this is my experience. That's more important than cuttings, I'd say. Specific cuttings are great, but like what, I, what I'm getting a sense of is like where else you have work yeah yeah and to people you have you know give me the confidence that you have you're familiar with the process and you do it and then say quite briefly just what it is you think you could say i'm always thinking in terms of headlines that's always my that's the immediate reaction i have is how can i frame this and it might be that you know you know we're all journalists we understand how it works you can't necessarily predict exactly what it is you're going to be able to say if it involves a lot of research but I don't mind. People can pitch me the best possible outcome of their research. I want to speak to X, Y people, and I'm hoping to be able to say Z. You know, that will get my attention and that will lead to another conversation and then possibly a phone call and then possibly a commission. But like, I get that, like, you know, you might not get all of Z. You might get 80% of it or 90% of it. But a really common mistake is people will pitch me a theme, not a story. Emails saying, um, you know, GameSpot is a really interesting story, and I'm like, yeah, it absolutely is. You know, it's a, you know, redditors revolting against Wall Street short sellers. You know, a huge. It's going to be a movie someday, inevitably. And we've written a billion stories about it in the last few weeks. It doesn't mean I'm not willing to take pitches on it, but some people will will out will lay out a theme that I already know about. Say, I'd like to speak to, you know, I'm going to speak to experts or I'm going to speak to people. And I'm like, 
of course you will. But, you know, really to get my attention, you need to be telling me what you think or what you hope, what you estimate you can produce. You will, you will be able to produce. A lot of people just do that sort of... I would like to speak to people. And of course, until I speak to them, I can't tell you what they're going to say. And I'm like, well, I'm very reluctant to make a commitment to, you know, to start signing contracts and, and agree to pay you X for, for Y, if, if we're not even going to talk about where you're going to go. Uh, so a lot of those pitches are, you know, it feels like they're, they're introducing a theme, not really telling me what they want to write about that theme. And the crucial thing is you should be saying up front what it is you want to write. Imagine you're in a lift with me for 10 seconds and what about news stories? So that's, um, you know, if a freelancer is, is pitching to write something, do people get in touch with you with actual news stories? And and how do you um, handle those or, or are they useful? They are useful. Um, the crucial thing is we have a lot of staff journalists who write news. So if you're going to pitch me news, uh, just, you know, if, I would, if you're going to pitch me something, I assume it's an exclusive. Um, in which case we're very interested. Yeah, we don't get freelancers to write what you might call the news, which is to say we don't log on in the mornings and say, okay, here's four things we're going to quickly write up and we're going to get freelancers to do it. No, that's, you know, we've got staff, uh, we've got in-house people for stuff like that. But I am, you know, I'm quite routinely pitched exclusives, investigations, uh, and also shorter news pieces. I mean, for example, I have a freelancer, a tech writer, it's a guy called Chris Stokel Walker, who um, is one of the most productive freelancers I've ever met. And uh, he pitched me, pitches me all the time. And one of the pieces he had done was uh, he had done a freedom of information request on government correspondence with TikTok, which is massively of interest to us. You know, we, we cover tech, we cover the sort of inner, inner workings of tech, the business of tech, the contact of tech. And it was a really interesting piece about, you know, like, government talking to or being lobbied by a huge tech organization. It was a news piece. It wasn't hugely complicated. He didn't have to go off and interview 10 people or, you know, or spend a week doing it. He just pitched it. We were like, yes. And then we did it and, and then we published it. But it, I mean, I imagine if you are a freelancer pitching news, you are pitching exclusives. You are pitching interviews. You are pitching something you've already got that you want to find a home for. And if a company thinks they have a news angle, like, you know, they've got some new research or they've got a white paper or something like that, would they, are they best pitching the journalists, your staff journalists, or are they best pitching you? I think in that instance, I would say they are probably best off pitching the reporters, the staff reporters, because pitching me a news story if you're not a journalist is if you're not a freelance journalist is, is probably not going to work because for starters if you if a company were to pitch pitch me an exclusive news piece i might well give it i might well alert one of my other editors to it and then have them go with it so i in those instances i don't think i would be the person to speak to but if you're a freelance journalist and you've got a piece of news that is exclusive or is really good news story you've done an interview and you've got great lines and you're and, and you you're looking to place them and it's about business and it's about whatever then yes absolutely so if a company has you know wants to get an interview with their ceo i don't know because they're just on the verge of a sale or for or for whatever reason that again they would would you be able to commission something on that or are they best going to the reporters um I mean, I th I think they would be best going to the reporters, and because th one of the things to bear in mind is uh, because I'm sort of agnostic, I don't have a specialism as such. The reporters and the editors are inevitably going to know something better than me. So, if you represent a trader, 
say, um, you sh- and, and they have a news angle, you should be going to a markets editor. You should not be going to me. If you are, if you want, if you, if you're a startup and you've got a CEO who wants interviewing about, who wants to be interviewed to talk about X, you would be best off going to our tech editor. We, we talk all the time, and so we're not in silos. Uh, you know, if, if if in some if, if in some version of it, it turns out I am the best person, then that person will just forward it to me. If you are just touting information and quotes and interviews, your first port of call would be to go to someone else. But if you are touting an opinion piece, then that's probably when you should come to me and we can talk about that and whether that's something we can do. Because on that note, then the the planning process. Talk us how that works. Do you have a daily meeting? And I presume it must be very different at the moment because you're working remotely. Yeah. How does it work on a commissioning um, desk? I mean, not, we have a daily meeting. It's at 10 a.m. It's usually over in about 10, 15 minutes. And that's when all of the editors speak. Uh, they go through their news lists. Um, and then I usually speak about what it is I'm looking at for the day. My day-to-day is inevitably less connected to the the immediate news cycle than some of my colleagues who will you know i have a business editor as a tech editor and, and part of their job when they log on just to see what has happened and then task their teams to cover it off to hit it and then and then get into the day you know commission all sorts of news inevitably i don't have it i don't have a direct report yet for example so i'm not kind of i don't have that immediate connection to the news cycle however I'm always interested in pitches connected very closely to the news cycle. I do a lot of evergreen stuff, a lot of you know stuff around work-life balance, around career development. That's always interesting to me because that's giving our readers actionable information that we can you know commission for our prime section of our site. You know that's all of interest to me. But I'm also incredibly interested in the news. If you come to me with like you know a news piece that very urgently speaks to something that is in the news at this moment, you will very much get my attention. But the day, yeah, the 10 a.m. and then there are other meetings, there are, there's a weekly editor's meeting. But in terms of kind of running the day, I think that is the the big one where we all catch up as one and meet and hear each other speak. And, you know, like different editors might feedback on different things. That's our sort of big thing. It's brief. And so I, I wouldn't necessarily say you're going to do better pitching me before or after it. In terms of my day, I mean, I'm usually working 8 to 4.30, 8 to 5.30, that sort of thing. I wouldn't say there's necessarily a time of day that I can say, oh, you should definitely pitch. If you've got something, pitch it. I have moments where I'm editing, moments where I'm commissioning, moments where I'm checking emails. It's it's hard for me to say, like, when is this sort of ideal time to come to me? But I think, you know, if, if you pitch me at 8 a.m., or 4 p.m., you know, I will be there and I will be I'll do my best to get back to you. Your top points of what to what to do and not to do then, how would you how would you sum that up? I think that the, the, the thing I do say to people is please don't pitch me a theme, pitch me a story. Know what you're going to say, have a sense of what you're going to say. And that's really important because if I if I'm interested, you you need to know logistics. You need to have a sense of who you can talk to within a time frame and what they you, they can say and who your sources will be you need to know all of that you can't you know an entirely speculative pitch doesn't give me confidence that you know we can actually do something that's my top thing to avoid another thing i'd say is um if i know you and know you well then uh i will read a multi-pitch email however if i don't know you keep it to one pitch in an email 
pitch one thing and pitch it well. Because one thing I've noticed is sometimes people send multi-pitch emails and they omit a lot of detail. They will literally pitch me three sentences and it's for three pieces. And, you know, if I don't know you and I'm getting a lot of pitches, you are much less likely to get my attention if you're listing three things. And, you know, inevitably if it's multi-pitches, then it means that these are things you know, that you're thinking of that they're not like tied to what's happening necessarily. Like I said, they don't all need to be that, but it's sort of, it, it will communicate to me that these are sort of things to be done whenever, if ever, if you have a, a, a an understanding of what business insider does, then, you know, pitch me one thing that you think is going to work for business insider. If we work together a lot and, you know, you have been reliable in the past, then I will read a three pitch e- email because then it's definitely in my interests to do so. Another thing I'd say is um, one of the things I've noticed is some people will get in touch to ask, are you accepting pitches on subject X? That is a no-no to me. For, for one thing, there's no, you know, there no such sub- thing as a subject that is inherently trivial or inherently uninteresting that I'm going to say, no, we're not accepting pitches on them. You know, you can't say to me, are you accepting pitches on GameStop is the one that always comes to mind, but, you know, like name any trend in business and someone will ask me if I'm taking pitches on it. And I'm never going to say no, because that's just boring. Of course, you don't know what pitch is going to be. Pitches, So I can't say no. And then so inevitably what I find is there's a pattern where someone asks me, are you taking pitches on X? I say yes, because, you know, why would I not be? And then the pitch comes in and because someone feels like they've sort of got my attention by getting me to say yes the pitch is you know kind of long again and then it it recaps a theme for too long you know if it's like if you're sending me a pitch and it's like three paragraphs of explaining background to an issue you know it's just you know the the crucial thing is tell me what you are going to do tell me what you are asking to be paid to do by us because that's that's the exchange that's the transaction we're talking about here is you know me commissioning you to write for us like it's not you know i understand that you have thoughts on the theme and the issue but just you know in the same way that i am thinking about headlines and bullet points and you can do yourself a favor by going on our site and looking at how we frame stories you know we have bullet points we have a headline we also have you know browse titles like that will give you a sense of what we do and how we do it and what we prioritize when we when we promote our content that will help you some of the good pitches and to be honest, not all of which i have commissioned but some of them will say they'll cite statistics they'll cite data they'll immediately make me realize that something a subject about which i may very well not know a great deal is actually quite important or is having a moment if you can have that great if you can tell me that i mean i had a pitch about job sharing and someone said you know the ons is estimated i'm probably going to misrepresent this stat now but like it's increased by 35 percent in recent years and it's probably granted it's probably rising from a low bar but that's like you know that that is something that is having its moment if it's surging by that kind of number in a in, in a short space of time and the pitch wasn't i want to write about job sharing the pitch was I want to do this interview with these people on, on this subject. And that made me think, yeah, because I, I know I'm immediately having thoughts about how to frame that. And, you know, if, if you're giving me those kind of building blocks of a story, then that is a way to get me thinking about headlines and bullet points and introductions and leading paragraphs. And that's what I need to be thinking when I commission you, because when I commission you, I'll always phone you. I will always go over everything. You know, we'll talk for at least 10 minutes. I'll probably then follow up in an email reiterating 
because it's the biggest difference between staff and freelancers is you know you commission a freelancer they go away and then they come back whereas a staff writer is with you and you can sort of you know you talk to them the whole time you and they, and they feed back on the process constantly you know if i'm commissioning you i'm kind of assuming you're going to go away and do it and then come back so we have to have that conversation in full almost invariably over the phone a few a few exceptions of people I know very well who I trust who perhaps I won't need to take the time to call. Otherwise, you know, I will call you and we'll go over it. And we'll go over what I am hoping for, what you think is realistic, what you think you can do, so that, so that we both have that kind of really specific sense of what it is we're going to get. For example, I rarely do... Uh, approach freelancers with commissions they mostly come to me with their ideas in one there's been a few instances where i've talked to another editor and they've said we really like a piece on this that does this and says this and i've found and gone to a freelancer for the most part it is people bringing their ideas to me so don't think that like if you raise a subject i'm going to pounce and say oh yes brilliant finally someone to someone to finally write that brilliant piece that's been in my head for for weeks you have to bring me the ideas and present them succinctly and well and and with the kind of detail i understand that sometimes you know when you commission a piece when a piece arrives it's very different but that's my job you know that's our work with you to make sure we get something out of it but what i want you know don't be afraid to kind of oversell is a tip i'd make you know i will ask you about it i will talk you over it don't like undersell because you're not sure what it's going to be it's better you oversell and then i'm happy to talk to you about it and then we perhaps realize you're overselling rather than you just undersell and then i say no and we don't speak again jack summers uk commissioning editor of business insider or should we say soon to be known as the insider thanks so much for sharing that advice that is really really valuable insights into how it all works thanks so much for your time Thanks for listening to the Media Insider. Please share this podcast or rate it on your podcast app. That's how others find it. If you're keen to get into the media or get your message and expertise more widely known, then visit thoughtleadershippr.com and see how I could help. Or find me on Twitter. Just search Helen Croydon. Good luck with your pitching.